0: And so this team's going to be built on, um, we're going to kick you in the teeth, all right? And and when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off, all right? And we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down, all right? And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap, and we're going to get up. And then it's going to take three shots to get us down.
1: Welcome, sports fans, to the Shoot Your Thought podcast with your hosts, Josh Sanger and Neil Rempersaud. <sighs> oh man, that was that was Dan Campbell. He is a the new what, Detroit Lions. What Nine. was that? <laughs> He is the new Detroit Lions head coach, and that was his opening press conference. That was how he introduced himself to the Detroit Lions world. The hell was he even talking about? That's like me in kindergarten, you know, trying to (laughs) going up to like the the schoolyard bully and saying, "You know what? I'm gonna you better not mess with me. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bite your kneecap off when when you punch me." And uh, it's just oh no, I saw
0: I saw a report that Matt Matt Stafford actually. Wants out of Detroit now? <laughs> he, I'm not surprised after hearing.
1: Maybe he's just too intimidated from from no. that that monstrosity of a, of a press conference that just happened. Oh, man. All right. Welcome to the Shoot Your Thought podcast. My name is Josh Sanger.
0: I'm Neil Rampersad. We got a crazy show here upcoming here for you guys. Uh, we're going to talk about the big fight on Saturday night, UFC 257, big shocker. We're going to talk a little bit about the big splash that the Blue Jays made earlier this week. Big splash. We're going to talk about NFL Championship weekend and another trade in the NHL this past week with the Jets and the Blue Jackets. Oh, what a what a week. What a time to start a sports podcast. Hell of a week here. So, do you want to get into some UFC to begin? Corey,
1: now, a right hand. Oh. He's got to go back to the cow! That was, that was a, I don't know. I still don't know how, to, how I feel about that. A lot of people still coming down from that outcome. A lot of people lost some money uh, from that yeah, outcome. myself included, yeah. A lot of people, uh, a lot of Irish people that are not happy right now. Were you surprised, Josh? I was surprised, you know. I, I feel like no matter what fight Conor McGregor goes into, the way he, the way he builds himself up in these press conferences, I feel like he's never been the underdog. Never. Even in the Khabib fight, he has never once shown weakness. He has never, I don't know. It's just, you know, it's like growing up, you think like you have this, you have this, this superstar, this hero of yours that is invincible. And anytime he goes into fights, you know, he'll, he'll win no matter what. And I, I don't know. I, th- I, was, I think a lot of us are shocked at this.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, he had that one year long uh, layoff. He hasn't actually won a lightweight fight since 2016. Not to mention, like he's he's actually one win and two losses in his last three fights. Mm-hmm. I mean, which you don't really think about. Like no one ever talks about. Yeah, McGregor looked good early on. He ran into some trouble in the second round, uh, where Poirier started landing some brutal calf kicks, kind of crippled him, um, especially his lead leg where he gets all of his power from. This led to McGregor losing some strength, and after that, he just took one. Huge shot after another, and referee Herb Dean had no choice but to uh, put an end to the fight.
1: Yeah, once he, I feel like once McGregor let Poirier know that his leg was injured, it was yeah. over. And even like that little misstep where you know he couldn't put weight on it for like a split second, yeah, and then it was over because Poirier just continued to land those shots on his leg. I mean, he, he
0: started the fight really well. I mean, a lot of the analysts had him 10 9 for the first round, and he just you know Poirier just caught him in the second round and he he saw a weakness and he exploited it so yeah I mean a, a lot of a lot of people had that feeling that he would have had some ring rust and you heard him at the end kind of talk about that and and say hey like I haven't fought prefer- like competitively in the in a year but he's been doing a lot of training you know I noticed when even like when they were walking out to the ring mcgregor always has this stoic serious kind of tone to his to himself when he's going into these fights i didn't see that when he was coming out to the fight um on saturday you know and that what, what was to, he
1: what, what was he like this time around he,
0: d- he just didn't have that sense of confidence i feel you know he was going into the fight and as soon as i saw that i was i was a little concerned you know i was i was concerned for how he would perform and even the way it ended he felt, like i felt like he knew he was going to lose that fight mcgregor was he was like super super professional super uh friendly you know yeah. that's that's not prototypical connor mcgregor right no. like um and i feel like sometimes he has this sense of confidence and he can be a little cocky and talk a lot of shit and be that way when he knows like hey, I have a good chance at winning this fight. But we didn't see that on Saturday. And, you know, in comparison, hats off to Poirier because Poirier's gone about his business really
1: the way he has the last couple
0: years, right? He came in, he kind of looked like he was just going to
1: work. Do you think there's going to be a third fight? Do you think there's the rubber match that needs to happen between these two?
0: You know, the great thing about this loss is that... um, we can now see like a trilogy out of here. Yeah, they both want to fight. Even. Mind you, it was it was six years ago the last time they fought, but mm-hmm. now the series is tied up, and and they're you know I feel like McGregor is going to want some sort of um, better showing than he had on Saturday. So there's a high possibility that they have a third bout. When that could be, I don't really know,
1: but I think it's going to be a while before that happens. I think you know Conor McGregor is going to go off and you know do some more something uh, publicity stunt you know yeah. maybe get another fight get another win so that this fight can be hyped up even more you know because there's a lot of talk right now that people are saying you know conor mcgregor isn't the same conor mcgregor and i think he needs to go out and show that he is the same conor mcgregor no. so what one thing i did learn
0: is that there there may never be another mcgregor khabib fight oh my god! because there there's no way you, don't you think can that's even gonna happen talk again, eh? about them in the same conversation now after what you saw on See, Saturday. Yeah,
1: that's the thing. I think they they Conor McGregor needs to get another win under his belt.
0: He needs to win at lightweight as well. Yeah. Um I don't know if you you, you saw the outcome from the Dan Hooker Michael Chandler fight as well. I did. And yeah. Mike, this was Michael Chandler's first match in the This was his UFC debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, at UFC 257 and Dana White actually went on record and he mentioned that he can't remember a better UFC debut than what Michael Chandler had this past weekend. I mean, this is a Well, guy... that's cuz
1: I haven't made my UFC debut yet, Neil.
0: Yeah, we're going to we're going to see your debut coming up in the next few months here, aren't we?
1: Uh 15 to 20 years, yes, absolutely.
0: UFC on PlayStation 5, he's talking about. Yeah,
1: years. yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, Michael Chandler is a former three-time Bellator lightweight champion and he signed last year with UFC and, and I don't, he made such quick work of Dan Hooker. I think that uh, might be the next matchup that we see whether, for, whether it's for Conor McGregor, but I think there's a better chance that we see a match between Michael Chandler and Dustin Poirier for the number one contender
1: oh, for the lightweight a division.
0: That that's going to be an epic fight.
1: Yeah. Where do
0: you, uh, where do you think they both go from here?
1: I, I think you know, like I said before, I think Conor McGregor needs to find someone like you know another Cowboy Cerrone, where you know he'll he'll go in and everyone kind of knows that he's going to win. Yeah, you know just to get that you know on his resume. I think he's a gimme kind of like yeah, a gimme matchup. Yeah, build yeah. his confidence. Yeah, like going against maybe maybe not quite yet. I don't know if you saw that you know the whole Logan Paul Jake Paul situation where Jake Paul is really trying to fight Conor McGregor. That's ridiculous. That's yeah. I really hope. I honestly hope he does. Just I just want to see him rearrange Jake Paul's face. You know, it's it's going to be either myself or Conor McGregor. One of the two of us is going to do it before before long. But um, I don't think you know that's the fight that is next for Conor McGregor. I think he he needs to stay at the professional level for now at least, um, and then come back to Poirier. I have a name for you. Sure, Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz, you think that's gonna happen, eh? He hasn't won a
0: fight in since 2019, I think it was. But um, it, we're talking about trilogies. Yeah, that's a trilogy that needs an ending as well. They both they both won a, a match each, so yeah. they're one and one. We could see a rubber match here. I think they're really well matched. They both know each other inside of the ring. That might be a good fight for Connor to to really get back on track. And there's no way. I, I mean, there's no way that connor should go back into uh, a, a third match with Poirier um, Not until yet. like no. until he gets this figured out he needs yeah. he needs to get back in the ring he needs to f- figure out his timing figure out how to block properly because his he legs did. cannot he yeah. could barely walk after that yeah. uh, that match right yeah, he
1: was in a he was in a walking boot and he had a cane yeah what well, the, the funniest thing about connor mcgregor is after every fight that he has we see the real connor mcgregor like, I was watching uh, the post-fight conference where, you know, he's, he's being so humble and he's talking to everyone. And even, you know, seeing Poirier after the fight, like, I think the next day and, like, talking about how uh, appreciative he was of, you know, sharing the octagon with him and, you know, all the best to your family. Yeah. You know, that, that's just like the two different sides of Conor McGregor, right? It's almost like, you know, he, he the character of Conor McGregor is the one we all know and love. But the actual Conor McGregor, you know, like playing with his kids, you know, being just a really nice, humble Irishman.
0: Yeah, no one also talks about the fact that he goes into bars and punches old guys. No one sees that. That's side just of it, the right? nice side <laughs> like, of Conor
1: McGregor. You know, that's, that's just. Uh, uh, I mean,
0: there's many there's many faces to Conor McGregor, and you know, like I think that the matchup with Khabib is really. Um, helped him mature and really get a sense of living and and like realizing hey like there's more to it than this and
1: I, i honestly think that that did humble him a lot yeah especially what happened after that fight with you know everyone stepping into the ring and like you know there was a the giant melee that happened immediately following that fight you know uh khabib jumping into the stands uh, but you know this this fight this was a crazy fight and you know it's a strategy that Poirier used he he saw weakness and he he went after it and that's you know it's a strategy that works for most people like you know how Neil is a Steelers fan and that's the strategy that's the the weakness that I find you know talking about the fact that Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell are going to be playing in the Super Bowl without Ben Roethlisberger like, you know, like. <laughs> some other news that came out of this week the Blue Jays had the, you know, broke the bank. They signed George Springer. Huge. Yeah, it's their largest contract to a free agent ever. Their second highest. Do you want to take a guess on who their second highest contract signing was in Blue Jays history?
0: Uh, Probably Vernon Wells? It was Russell
1: Martin. Oh, there you go. Russell Martin. They signed him for five years for $82 million. I know Vernon Wells
0: had like a really huge contract that didn't pan
1: out, but... He did. He did. But that was, you know, that was a while ago. That was a long time ago. Uh, But the George Springer signing, he signed for six years, officially announced as of yesterday, officially on Blue Jays Twitter, for $150 million. Mm -hmm. And the thing about this trade, the thing about the Blue Jays and, you know, free agency is that going into free agency, they realize, I think they finally came to terms with the fact that they have to overpay someone if they want to get him to come to you know the northern market. You know, don't get me wrong. The Blue Jays are contenders, and even more so. They're, I think, in my opinion, they just won the AL East with this signing. But I don't know.
0: It's it's a pretty bit. It's it's going to be a tight two two team race there with the Yankees. The Yankees are bulked up, like they
1: they did they did, but they bulked up the season before last, and you know they couldn't really yeah. do anything with it. Um, the Rays, you know, they're, they're kind of... They're focusing more on money than they are talent. So they're kind of out of it, in my opinion. They made it to the
0: World Series. They did. Year. Yeah. They
1: did, but I don't think they're going to do anything this year. But uh, the Jays are contenders this year. And, you know, they've, yeah. they've let everyone else in the MLB know that, you know, with this signing and with their young core that's coming up, they are going to be contenders. They weren't supposed to make the postseason this past season. They just made it. And, you know, they... The whole campaign with them in the postseason was hashtag why not? Like we're not supposed you know, the the rebuild is still happening. We're not even supposed to be in the postseason. But now that we're here, why not? And the fact that they went out and got George Springer this year, you know, lets everyone else know in the league that we're here to compete.
0: Yeah, along with that, um, you know, bringing in a premium free agent like... Your George Springer, what it what it does is it really tells your core players, your homegrown players, such as Vladdy, Biggio, Bichette, you know, it tells these guys that you believe in them, and investing in the improvement right away is worth it, and that's exactly what Springer is. He's on the wrong side of 30, yeah, he's 31, but he's still firmly in his prime. He's yeah. he's in the prime of his career. He's ready to pr- produce right away. I also believe the Jays went out and got him to kind of shore up that defense that they have in the outfield. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they had gaping holes in, in the outfield this past year. And what this does is, like, having him come in, potentially bat lead off, he's going to be playing center field. And what that does is it shifts Gritchik over to his more natural position at right field. Right field, yeah. You know, it kind of secures that center field position and it gives them some flexibility to move around. You know now they have four outfielders that they can employ, uh, every every night. You know what I mean. They can yeah. move T. Oscar to DH position. Yeah. Guriel can play left field. You know they have the flexibility there to to really put out a great lineup every night in and
1: night out. Yeah, yeah. It's um it's an insane signing. And I, I going into this offseason, I don't think anyone actually. I mean, like the Toronto Blue Jays hopeful. You know, we all thought that we had a chance, but I don't think anyone really comprehended that we were front runners for yeah. George Springer. And, you know, this is huge because it, it it shows someone actually wants to come play in a northern market. There's so much talk about how, you know, people don't want to pay the extra taxes or they don't want to, you know, go through customs, whatever bullshit that they come up with but you know it's it's someone that's you know the highest priority player in this offseason signed with the Toronto Blue Jays.
0: I think that's probably the biggest thing from this trade, you know, is it's is just the fact that the Blue Jays actually managed to sign the biggest hitting free agent, the biggest hitter available, the best free agent target. They had hit their sights on him the entire time. They actually they actually signed this player and you know coming to Canada isn't really attractive to a lot of free agents because of taxes, because of location, mm-hmm. all these all these things factor in. George Springer signing with the Blue Jays kind of sets that it kind of nullifies that, you know, and now they've actually Put them in a put 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 themselves in a position. They I thought they signed Brantley as well. I saw they some almost reports.
1: Did. Yeah, there's some reports that came out like immediately after the George Springer announcement that Brantley was going to be coming to the Blue Jays. Brantley and uh, George Springer are very close, they're very close personal friends. Yeah. And there was a lot of talk that you know he was going to follow him, but that was shortly. We were shortly. they yeah, there was, uh, they're, let they're
0: down. like like reporters confirming that yeah. he signed, but yeah. they I didn't see a term. So I was like, I wonder how, how long he's signing for, what the term was. Mm-hmm. And then it came out shortly after a few hours later that of course he re-signed with, with the Houston Astros. Yeah,
1: I don't know why anyone would want to re-sign with the Houston Astros, but that's a different story. Anyways, it did not happen. Um, and there are still some free agents out there that are still, you know, looking for some teams. And now that George Springer has signed with the Blue Jays, yeah. I think that makes the Blue Jays a little bit more attractive. We got Tanaka still out there. We have Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer, He's, yeah. The, the,
0: like this past week, um, Tanaka has been linked with the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They, I mean, I, I truly feel like the Blue Jays will be better off signing like a mid mid tier pitcher who actually did quite well one name comes to mind taiwan walker Mm -hmm. he Mm -hmm. you know that's that short period of time that he played with the blue jays last year he he tore it up you know sub three era he had a few wins but he looked good you know he's someone who's really injury prone but someone who's a low risk high reward player that the jays can take a
1: take a chance on um i think they they definitely need to beef up their pitching a little bit more yeah uh, they did beef up beef up their bullpen this off season, but I I definitely think they need to put more guys into the starting rotations. Trevor Bauer on Instagram and Twitter I don't know if you've been seeing what he's been posting, but um, he's really teasing the fact that he wants to come to Toronto. Yeah, like him and Randall Grichuk, who are pretty close. I remember on you know around Christmas time, Randall Grichuk tweeted out you know all he wants for Christmas is Trevor Bauer to the Blue Jays. And Trevor Bauer tweeted that back out, saying, "What do you think, Blue Jays fans? Would I be a good fit?" It's just like,
0: yeah, Trevor Bauer is an enigma. <laughs> you know, he loves he loves talking the talk, and sure enough, he he's he is an ace. You know, he's he is is. exactly what the Blue Jays are missing. The only thing with Trevor Bauer though is that he's expensive. You know, he's yes. he 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 will command a very high contract and how that's going to look for the blue jays and if they're willing to continue spending and really put this team over the top i feel like they need to sign him but if it's overpaying that they're going to have to do then that's probably why we're seeing it come down so late into the
1: off season yeah. where they're making this decision but i don't know time will tell time will tell absolutely but i i'm i think a lot of jays fans are very happy Right now, they weren't happy, you know, with all these other free agents that were, you know, getting claimed by other teams. It was coming out that like the Lindor situation, we were. I really them wanted something.
0: them to sign or trade for Lindor. I I really wanted that to happen, but yeah,
1: yeah. I think a lot of us did, um, but you know, that stuff wasn't happening, and mm-hmm. a lot of people were losing faith in you know the management of the Blue Jays. And then with this with this signing of George Springer, I think a lot of fans are really hoping that we can get back to Rogers Center you know, so that we can welcome George Springer.
0: I'm going to put a name out there for you. Chris Bryant. I think Chris, you know, I'm seeing reports saying Chris Bryant doesn't have his heart in it anymore. Like he's losing his passion for the game. But here's a guy who is challenging for the MVP Mm -hmm. year in and year out, not so long ago. He's a few years removed from that, but you can ship up like, a mid-level player or a a small amount of prospects. You don't even need to break the bank for him at this point, you know, and his contract is really good. I think if you're the Jays and you're Atkins, you, you make a trade for Chris Bryan. You You stick him at third base. You can't, I don't think they should go into this year putting Vlad Guerrero on third base. You know, it just, no, he's a huge liability. He really,
1: he really wants to play third base though. He does and what he's been doing in this offseason, you know. Really, yeah, he's cut, he's cut down. down a lot of weight. He really wants that yeah. third base position, but um, like you said, maybe put some competition there so yeah. that he, you know, tries a little harder.
0: And if you're gonna, I mean, if you can't manage to sign another free agent in that infield, they're they're trying to get an infielder in there so they can shift things around. Mm-hmm. But wouldn't it be easier just to acquire someone like Chris Bryant and who whose natural position is third base, anyways? Mm-hmm. I think and is
1: he's you know Chris Bryant's not going to be as expensive as he was a few years ago.
0: No, you know he's definitely regressed after or after those years that he's had in in Chicago. But I think you know he, he it could reignite the the fuel. It could reignite the fire. We could see him improve. We've seen this happen with other players in in the past with the Blue Jays, right? They they buy low and then they explode. Look at someone like Jose Bautista, right? Exactly. Picked him up for pennies. Yeah. You and know, he's, you know, a bag of balls they sent to the, the Pittsburgh Pirates Blue Jay, yeah. and yeah. turned into the, the greatest Blue Jay in history, right? Yeah. Josh Donaldson, same thing, right? They they traded almost nothing for them for yeah. these players, right? So I think that they can pick up someone like Chris Bryan for very little and it, it might turn out really well for them.
1: All right. Before we get into our next topic, Neil, some big news came out of the uh, sports world in Canada this past week. Mm hmm. And that is that Sid Sixero will be leaving Tim and Sid for breakfast television.
0: It's crazy. crazy. This is
1: this is huge. It's yeah. not going to happen right away. Um, there's still a, a little bit to go. You know, I think he's going to stay on Tim and Sid for the next, I think, four or five weeks, he said. Yeah. But yeah, this is, it's huge news. I, you know, Tim and Sid have been like the, the cornerstone of sports media in Canada for so long. I remember... Watching them on the score when the score was a channel and not just an app.
0: Yeah, you know? we all we all grew up watching. That was like the the one sports channels that always had these hot takes and yeah, you know, like one one of the reasons why we started this podcast is because we enjoy listening to to hilarious hot takes Tim such and as Tim and Sid. Yeah. Right, like, yeah. that's he, like they they've been huge inspirations to a lot of us in wanting to talk about sports and wanting to or having a passion for sports so i mean it's going to be a big loss for tim and sid but huge a huge opportunity for
1: for sid Sixero. yeah absolutely and I, I know a lot of fans of canadian sports aren't huge fans of sid Sixero because he you know the way he kind of tells it like it is and he he's not as hopeful as you know some other toronto fans are but i yeah he's the opinions he's had and you know the commentary will will live on forever I think I've never actually personally met Sid Sid Six arrow I'm hoping I do once but I did sit two rows behind him at a game at Bumo field once and I you know I took a picture of his bald spot and I posted it and um, tagged him in it on Twitter he didn't reply but um yeah, that was. He might reply now. might reply now after, he hearing, reply this, now.
0: <laughs> after hearing that. Yeah, yeah
1: his, his time is gonna be freed up uh, for the next little bit, I guess. That's that. It's a bold television. move
0: talking about a man's bald spot like that, but uh, it, like is, it. Like it
1: is. It is right from my thick head of hair over here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be weird seeing him on breakfast television. I mean, yeah. I mean, like a lot of us um, in Canada grew up with you know Kevin Frankish as you know the voice of breakfast television and he is very different from sid Sixero.
0: yeah i wonder if sid's gonna take on his suspenders uh <laughs> that he used to remember
1: you used to wear those yeah, stupid suspenders yeah, every, with the, yeah. every morning he had a look
0: he everyone woke look. up and and watched breakfast television or had it on in the background when they were eating yeah. breakfast and, and stuff like that i i grew up and my parents would have it on and as soon as my parents would leave for work i would just switch it over and we'd watch like Save by the bell and Say about couple, bell. And family matters and all those oh, yeah. nostalgic like early nineties shows and then we'd we'd head off to school. That was that was it, you know, like yeah. the, the morning ritual. Yeah. So I mean That was yeah, that was what morning, everyone grew up on. I kinda I understand, you know, this is a def it's a defining moment in his career and he's he's done everything he he needed to do or wanted to do in, in the sports world. Now this is a new challenge for him. Yeah. So mm. definitely something that he's never really done. Mm. It's not his style of work, but hey, I mean, I understand the challenge and I understand yeah. why he wants to do this.
1: Yeah, it's 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 not his style. Um, I'm wondering if he's, you know, going to remove some of his pessimism for the early mornings in Toronto. But I, I think the way he rationalized it when he talked about it on Tim and Sid is that, you know, this pandemic has taught him a lot, and, you know, um, make choices based off of what you feel is right, not not what you, you know, think is going to benefit you you know, five years from now, don't, don't wait, I think. Um, so yeah, no, all the best to him. And uh, hopefully he doesn't take too much offense to his bald spot. Anywho.
0: Uh,
1: yeah, it's, we can move on to some other big news here uh, from
0: the NHL. Earlier this week, the Jets Blue has made a blockbuster deal that sent Patrick Laine, as well as 2015 first rounder, Jack Roslevic, to the Jackets for Pierre-Luc Dubois.
1: I initially, um, you see this on paper, you know, Columbus won this trade. I don't think that's a hot take. I think it's pretty obvious Columbus won this trade. I don't think they did. You don't think so, eh? And I'll tell you why. I'd love to hear why you think they won. Well, you know, Line A, any other year that that Matthews isn't involved in the draft, Line A goes first overall. And I think... You know he has he has the space to give you a fifty goal season, mm-hmm. and you look at the stats for the two of them together. I'm speaking in terms of you know P- Pierre Luc Dubois compared to Patrick Line. They were drafted you know side by side with each other in the same year, but I don't think I think Line is miles ahead of Pierre Luc Dubois. And I think you know this trade specifically is yeah to get rid of some toxicity in the locker room. Fine, whatever. I don't think putting Line A with Tortorella is gonna to be the best option because those are two very you know, they're gonna butt heads, they're two hot heads. But yeah, I think
0: Yeah, if, if Torts if didn't like Pierre Luc Dubois hustle, he's gonna have he's gonna need some fucking therapy. Yeah.
1: Yeah once he sees Good Line. Lord. A. Um I, I definitely yeah, no, the the Jets lost this trade. I think, you know, and who knows? Pierre-Luc Dubois could start lighting it up now that he, he's on a team that he actually wants to play for, um, and, and, you know, vice versa with Linea. But on paper right now, Columbus won this trade.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, like 2016 draft, they go back-to-back. Back. So Linea goes two, Dubois goes three. Yep. So I think, personally, Dubois is a perfect fit in Winnipeg And what do you, I mean, just creating that one-two punch down the middle in the center position, paired up with Scheifele, I mean, that alone just kind of wins this trade for Winnipeg.
1: I respectfully disagree with you, Neil. Lani is a great player. I think Columbus is getting a lot in this deal. I I think the Jets traded away way too much. Um, What a lot of people are not talking about in this deal is why specifically Pierre-Luc Dubois did not want to play in Columbus. And that's John Tortorella. I think he doesn't get enough flack as he should. John Tortorella, I've played for my fair share of coaches like John Tortorella, and he makes you fall out of love with the sport. I know, I, I think we all see this character of John Tortorella, you know, this, this fiery guy who's yelling all the time at the refs and he's yelling at the other coaches. And he's, you know, has these, these witty remarks to reporters, but that's not someone you want to play for. That's not someone who you know believes in the team. You know he's the, he's the old school kind of hockey mentality, and he's he's not very progressive in the way he views the game.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Columbus is off to a, a rough start.'ve They've, they've uh, won one game out of the first five games they've played. I think Dubois had put us some sort of cloud above the players on this team. They, they were they were all dealing with this. They, it was hanging over all of their heads. This deal needed to happen. I like the deal on both sides, but ultimately, I, I feel like Columbus didn't win this trade. I know you talk a lot about Liney putting up big stats. That was only his first two years. You know he's regressed year over year the last three because years. Because he didn't
1: want to play in Winnipeg.
0: How do you know How do you not want to play in Winnipeg? How do you want to go from Winnipeg? He's a weird. Where guy. you have Liney's a weird. Winnipeg guy. is stacked compared to Columbus. You don't want to play with Shifley, and you want to go play with who's a top center in in Columbus. You want to play with Max Domi now? Like that, That's Maybe ridiculous. He's, he
1: he just really likes, you know, Max Domi's new book and he just really wanted to get out of Winnipeg and go play with him in Columbus. Who yeah. Knows? I, he's a weird guy. Liney is a weird guy. Max
0: Domi doesn't even want to play with Max Domi.
1: That's true that's, true. that's true. Ty Domi doesn't want to play with Max Domi. Yeah. There's a yeah. I don't know. I I disagree. Well, the hope We have different opinions on yeah, this. Yeah, the
0: hope for Columbus now is that they can lock up line A long-term. He's a restricted free agent at the end of the season. Hopefully he fits in that system that Tortorella has, you know, and hopefully it works out. But I like the trade for both sides. They, they needed to, to make a trade. Um, they had two disgruntled players. They traded them for each other. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, in a perfect world, it works out for both teams. But uh, again,
1: time will tell. I don't think the line A torts situation is going to work out. I think it's gonna be laughable to see it play out. Yeah. But you know, this has happened before where Columbus has, you know, tried to make a playoff push and they've they've signed, you know, that year that they went out and got Duchesne, and they had Panarin and Bobrovsky. And then what happened after that year when they didn't go far into the playoffs? All of those players left because no one wants to play for John Tortorella. It's uh well I'm excited to see how this plays out, but it's yeah. it's a weird reality show we're in right now, Neil.
0: Hey, it's you. Hopefully, we see some more trades this year.
1: I hope so. I hope so too. I I think this settles the uh, the the Matthews Line A discussion, though. Yeah, it sucks. We won't be able to see a lot of them this year.
0: You no, know, being him being traded out of the Northern Division. Yeah, to Columbus. Yeah. But hey, we're gonna we're gonna see some Dubois against the Leafs. So you we're gonna see some Dubois Matthews
1: matchup. Classic Matthews Dubois rivalry yeah. that is renewed here. <laughs> A crazy, crazy Sunday just happened last night, Neil. Some, uh, some crazy matchups. Let's start off with the Packers-Bucks matchup.
0: Told you, I, I, you should have listened to me. I know, bet against
1: Tom Brady. You bet this
0: against the the greatest quarterback of all time. And you know, I've learned as a Steelers fan not to bet against Tom not Brady. To bet against Tom Brady. You know, yeah. I learned that the hard way, and he, he looked good yesterday. And and I'm so sick Tom Brady. of Tom Brady. Well, I mean what what else can you say, right? He he led the Patriots that dynasty over so many years. He, he led just, them so
1: many Super Bowls. He just walks over to Tampa Bay and just, you know, yeah. You guys wanna to go to a Super Bowl? I'll take you to a Super Bowl.
0: It's like he just picked the name out of the hat. Yeah. I, I truly think that he looked at where the Super Bowl is this year. He's like <laughs> yeah. Super, I want to play the Super Bowl at home this year. Yeah. That is
1: but, yeah, it's insane. It's you see the, that
0: you see that fucking stat line that um there's been 55 this is super bowl 55 there's been 55 super bowls tom brady this is going to be his 10th super bowl 10 out of 55 super bowls he's in he's been in 18 percent of all super bowls Bowls. that's fucking unreal
1: tom brady
0: jesus call it just call it the brady bowl honestly you know when when tom brady won his first super bowl patrick mahomes was six years old six years old and now they're facing each other in super bowl 55 that's crazy but let's talk about this weekend. What did you think about that game against um, against the Packers? For I the thought
1: the Packers were going into this match. I thought the Bucks were the underdog. Yeah, they and were. They, they yeah, I, three, I definitely three, thought
0: three and a half point underdogs.
1: I think I thought Tom Brady, you know, being the greatest quarterback of all time, I don't think anyone can argue with that. But I think he was going to hit a roadblock in Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams matt lafleur calling you know whatever play he wants and just working out for him um i thought the packers were going to take them down i really did but i underestimated tom brady i underestimated the tampa defense which is just shutting everyone down yeah uh yeah no this was a it was an insane game i think matt lafleur and aaron Rodgers were not on the same page throughout the game i think there were some play calls that they disagreed on i think that was pretty obvious um in the the post-game interviews but tom brady is just this is just another game of tom brady doing tom brady and uh that, did you see that one that one play at the end of the second half or the end of the first half sorry
0: of course i did that that play was the was a game defining one of one of two game defining moments of the game
1: listen to this brady goes for the deep shot he's got a touchdown scotty miller Oh my gosh. Scotty Miller got behind the defense and for 39 yards gets the touchdown. And what?
0: Yeah, I mean, that like how do how do you? It wasn't allow quite that a 20. It
1: wasn't quite a Tony Romo announcement, but no. um, you know, it was it was pretty good. It was you know everyone was shocked that that play was going to.
0: Happen. I uh, here here's the thing that they hit fourth down. Tom Brady came off the field, put his jacket on, yeah, and then they called a timeout.
1: Then he came back on the field and went for it. It's like Bruce Arians just like, you know, how to look over to Tom Brady. He's like, you want to you wanna try this? You want to do Tom Brady things here?
0: I saw the punting team come out at one point before they called a touchdown. And Tom Brady comes back on the field, and they, I guess they just, they're like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to try and get some points here. Yeah. Like let's let's go for it. We've and got
1: all-star, you know, first rounder Scotty Miller wide receiver. I couldn't, receiver. Be, no
0: one could believe this call. What I, you know, I said that this was one out of two ridiculous calls by the Packers. All the Packers had to do was play prevent defense, prevent them from going into the end zone. Yeah. The the Bucks had no timeouts left. Yeah. You know, if they were throwing it in the middle of the of the field, it's the end of the half right there. Let's go to half. You know, we'll we'll kick the ball. We'll get the ball back on the sec- in the second half, yeah. and we'll call it a half. They must have known that the Bucks been, were going to be aiming for the sidelines
1: or aiming for the end zone. Yeah, it was one or the other. That's all you had to do at the. There was, and, I think, Scotty Miller caught that pass with like two seconds left in the half.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I saw that, and then I saw whoever that cover. I think it was King that was covering him. Yeah, played the inside portion of it. Where you know these defensive players, they play that that way to kind of have the uh, the receiver go out into the sideline. So he's kind of forcing him that way. But he played that completely wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. He just he looked so lost the entire game. And just that play call on defense, I didn't I didn't understand that. But that burned them. Tom Brady saw it, took advantage of it, and I feel like that play won them
1: the game. Yeah. Absolutely. It just the it caught everyone off guard. It was it was insane. And the second half, you know, the second half kind of followed suit. The the Bucks just their defense just that's been just so dominant all yeah. year with just shutting people down. I had some sacks on Aaron Rodgers. Uh the only game the only bad game that Aaron Rodgers had this entire season was against the Bucks defense. Yeah. Where he just he was he was benched in the fourth quarter. It was he was just so bad. I remember I had him on my fantasy team and I was just, I lost that week because of that game.
0: This wasn't, this was obviously a great performance by Brady, especially in the first half, but he had three consecutive sequences where he threw three interceptions consecutively. So, like back to back to back. And, you know, that obviously allowed the Packers to get back into this game, but ultimately it's the defense that won them this game, you know, and getting to Aaron Rodgers. You know, the, the, the Packers lost Bakhtiari, who is yep. an important mm-hmm. uh, member of that offensive line for them in, pre- in protecting Rodgers. Yeah, he went down uh, week 14, I want to say. He went down a few weeks ago, but that yeah. was a huge loss for that uh, offensive line. Yeah. And what the what the Bucks did was they exploited that. This past week, we're going to talk about it coming up, but this past week, the Chiefs lost Eric Fisher. Mm-hmm. Very similar to how Bakhtiari went down for the Packers, you're going to see the Bucks come in and put pressure on Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, it, it, it's going to be a very similar manner to what they did to Aaron Rodgers this past week.
1: It was, uh, you know, I, I think going into this game, especially... I mean, w- watching it with Neil, you had your bet, you had your money on Tom Brady, I had my money on Aaron Rodgers. I really thought we were going to see Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes. I think we were going to see the two possible MVPs of the season going at each other. Uh, but yeah, that, again, the Bucks' defense got to Aaron Rodgers. And I, I think Patrick Mahomes and that offensive line is going to have trouble with this defense. And they're going to struggle.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is all to blame here. You know, Matt no. LaFleur had some very questionable calls, especially towards the end of this game where they're down by two scores or no, they were down by 8 points. Yeah. And they go to kick a field goal. Yeah. With 2 minutes left to make it a 5-point game. And you're you're basically doing that and giving the ball back to the greatest quarterback of all time of and all saying, time. "Hey, give us the ball back after this." You think you're going <laughs> to yeah. get the ball back with 2 yeah. minutes
1: left? If you saw the the post match, the post game interview uh, with Aaron Rodgers, he was not happy with that call when asked about it, and even about his future as a Packer. He, you know, coming into the season, they the Packers drafted a quarterback in the first round, and yeah. a lot of people on the Packers team took offense to that. I think, including Aaron Rodgers. And so, when asked about his future in Green Bay, he was really hush hush about it. So
0: yeah, he's still reeling after the loss. You know, it was it was a tough pill to swallow losing that way that they did. They're in the red zone. I still can't get over the fact that they kicked a field goal there. I mean, you're gonna have to come down and score a touchdown anyways. Yeah. Kicking a field goal only made it a five point game. You still need a touchdown. You still need a touchdown. You're in the red zone. I don't. I don't fucking understand why they would kick a field goal. Have more
1: faith in Aaron Rodgers. He's he's on an MVP level season.
0: Yeah, but like. Regardless, Tom you're gonna need a touchdown. I did not yeah. like that. That field goal just made no sense to me. But I just also read uh, a tweet that said Tom Brady has played only one season with the Bucks, and it's on age 43. He just became the Bucks' all-time leader in playoff touchdowns. <laughs> the Bucks were founded in
1: 1976. Yeah, that's crazy. That's just insane. Tom Brady is. I hate him. I hate yeah. his stupid face. But he's the greatest quarterback of all time.
0: Uh, And they're going to be facing the Kansas City Chiefs, winners over the Bills.
1: Thankfully, I won money in this game. I didn't lose money. I won money, which was nice. I think a lot of people going into this game had the Chiefs as the favorites. Yeah. Uh, Bills
0: fans fans out there are going to hate this, but... The Chiefs absolutely wrecked them. Yeah, they did. on on offense and defense. Yeah,
1: we had the poll on our Instagram page yeah. this week about who who you thought was going to win. Yeah, and I remember looking at the poll and it was just Bills fan, Bills fan, Bills fan yeah. saying the Bills were going to win. I don't think there was ever any you know serious belief that they were going to take down the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes if Patrick yeah. Mahomes was was one hundred percent one hundred percent healthy.
0: Yeah, Bills fans like breaking tables and putting themselves through tables and <laughs> destroying tables. So, what's the opposite of that? Are they building tables today? They're, they're like,
1: building tables. They're, they're putting you know, tables together. They're you know, coming together and <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. They 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 actually the Bills looked good coming into this game. Um, and even, you know, the first quarter, they, you know, they had some, Josh Allen had some mistakes, but yeah, they looked like they were going to make it an even match the entire game. But. I, uh,
0: you know, for, for, for the Chiefs coming into this game, I knew for them to, to win this game, they'd have to stop uh, the potential of Josh Allen running. Yes. And like him getting loose and in open space and, and picking up those first downs. And, and they did a good job of that. You know, you still saw a few long runs from Josh Allen, but I don't like there's coming into this game. The Bills have had trouble stopping tight ends. They had trouble stopping the greatest tight end yes. in the league this past week. And Travis Kelsey, the star you of know,
1: Moonbase eight.
0: He saw you saw the, the line for receptions that they set for him. I think it was seven and a half. He had eight catches by the second quarter by midway by the through second the second quarter. quarter. And he's he not finished. even a
1: tight end. He's a he's just their entire offense. Him and Tyree Kill just make up that entire offense. Crazy.
0: Like he had 13 catches, 118 yards. Tyree Kill had 172 yards on nine catches. I mean, the, that combination's like just so lethal, right? You have the size yeah. and power from Kelsey, then you have the speed and agility and breakaway potential that Tyreek Hill has.
1: Tyreek Hill is just so fast, and he's yeah. so like I feel like he just oils himself up before every game because the way he just slips out of tackles. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, dodges away from defenders. It's just insane. He's so fast. Yeah. I mean, you, we, we can talk all day
0: about how good that offense is. And I really think that their defense is what we need to talk about. You know, the, the Kansas City defense was the, big, was the biggest surprise out of this game. You know, the Chiefs sacked Josh Allen four times, hit him 10 times. Uh, Josh
1: Allen gave up some serious yardage. With the way he tried to escape from the pocket and you know, yeah, tried it was to like it was like a video field. game, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's
0: almost like a video game. You know, like when in Madden, when you're playing Madden and you're trying to escape, <laughs> you just run you around just, the entire field. You just run, run all about. the way backwards. Yeah, it was like he was doing that. That was like, Josh just Allen. Just throw the fucking game. ball away. Yeah, like, and he, he's <laughs> trying he, to he's he trying thought, to do you know, too much, and that's just that's his age coming out there. He's 24. Yeah, he's gonna learn. You know, Josh, we're going to see Josh Allen. He's fine. You know, he's going to come back next year. He's gonna, yeah, I'm not worried about Josh he's Allen. He's going to be in the MVP talks again next year. Josh Allen and the Bills are going to be fine for years to come. Yes.
1: I hate it, but they're going to be a good team moving forward.
0: But he needs to learn to throw the ball away and not take sacks that are losing him 20-plus yards. Yeah, he had an that.
1: intentional grounding penalty in this game, too.
0: Yeah, that was off of, like, a potential sack. But again, you know, that, that pressure that Kansas City defense has shown... We're gonna see. I think in the Super Bowl, we're gonna see a really defensive matchup here, with the defenses coming out to play. Yeah. You know, if I had, if if I was looking at it and I had to bet some money, I would say, you know, we might even see a defensive score in the
1: Super Bowl. I would. Yeah. I'd be. I would, I would put money on that yeah. for sure. Who do you have in the Super Bowl then, Neil?
0: You know, Tom Brady, Tampa Bay, playing in Tampa Bay for the Super Bowl. It's never been done before. I. You know, I've I've been burned betting against Tom Brady for so many years. I like where this team's at. Their defense showed me enough. That coupled with the fact that Kansas City just lost a key offensive lineman, Mm -hmm. Eric Fisher. Yeah, He's their left tackle. They lost their right tackle earlier in the year. I don't know. They're going to have some trouble really finding time for Patrick Mahomes. Not that he really needs it. No, he doesn't. But what that's going to do is pull more pressure on Patrick Mahomes. I think tampa bay has a good enough offense to to really make this game competitive i think it's going to be a close game i'm predicting tampa bay winning this game i think it's going to be like a 27 23 win
1: it's going to be a good game regardless it's going to be a good game but uh i i don't learn from my mistakes neil so i am betting against tom brady in this one i think patrick mahomes is the future of the nfl i think he's gonna go down eventually as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time oh yeah and I think he wins this one. I think uh, the Chiefs go back-to-back. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our show for the week. Thank you so much for all your continuous support. Yeah, it's, it's been a crazy time to start a sports podcast, and we appreciate you all following along on our journey. We'll see you again next week,
0: everyone. Thank you for listening
1: to another episode of the Shoot Your Thought Podcast.